the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Southern California Live Hour 2. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. So good to be with you on this Memorial Day weekend. Maybe you're getting out of town. Maybe you are still at work. Maybe you're just going to clean out the garage, take a nap. Those are my two plans this weekend. Anyway, I hope that you've got a lot of good things going on, and I hope that you do take some time to acknowledge those who have served our country, those who have particularly those who laid down their life for our country. There's so much sacrifice that has been done for our our country, and Memorial Day is our opportunity to remember those who have served and who have died. It's Open Line Friday. We're going to take your calls on any subject, and I'm going to talk about a couple of different things this hour, but an Open Line Friday will change the subject for whatever it is you want to talk about. It's an opportunity for us as a, a radio family to to bring the discussion to the table. What are the things that we ought to talk about? How do we encourage one another, build each other up, especially in this time where there is so much difficulty? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. And uh, you can call right now. I'll get to your calls. I see your call on there. I'll get to you in just a second there. You held on through the break. Um, You know, one of the things that I'll touch on a little bit this hour too is just some follow-up on what's happening in Texas, and in particular, how difficult it is right now in this stage, a few days now after this atrocity, that uh, we try to get things right. And and there's a lot of frustration today because some of the news stories that we originally got, some of the reporting from police, from political figures, from people who were there, are, are now that the investigation is ongoing are, are turning out to be not accurate. And it's still a little bit uh, fuzzy out there. And an encouragement I'd like to give all of you is that you just have to wait. You have to be really careful. And as believers, I think that there is a patience that we need to have. And I know that you're emotional about it. I'm emotional about it. You know, I just want to scream at some of the things going on. And it seems like every day there's something more frustrating about this that keeps getting reported. And uh, we certainly have that today uh, going on. And so I'll play some clips uh, in a minute for what some people were reporting today. I want to remind you, though, in our audience here, Exodus 23.1, the first part of it says, do not, spread, do not spread false reports. And, you know, there there's probably a part of that that has to do with the maliciousness of spreading false reports. But when you get into that chapter, it has a lot to do with uh, being careful because sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we don't really understand what is going on and we share things that are false and then they they turn out to help a guilty person. Um, The next part, it's do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. You know, part of being malicious is that you have a different agenda other than the truth, that maybe the agenda is partisan. You know, the, the politics that we're going to deal with, politics isn't necessarily bad. Politics, you know, people, people normally, I think when they say, uh, hey, people are getting political about this, 
I think what they, the frustration isn't the, the political conversation. We need to have a debate and we need to come to a conclusion and do something and have a vote and get things done. That, that part of politics isn't bad. I think what we usually mean is people are getting partisan where we're not really interested in a solution. We're just interested in winning this election and we're going to leverage this, this horrific act. Uh, not to get something done that helps people, but to get elected, to grab some votes. And we're seeing that on all sides. That's what happens. As believers, though, you and me, when we're on our Facebook, when we're on our Twitter machine, when we're doing whatever it is, let's let's wait. Let's just keep waiting because some of the stories, they keep changing. It can take a while for those to change. And uh, I'll give you some examples of what some people are saying here in just a moment. The number is 888-528-2557. 888 It's Open Line Friday. You can call and join the conversation that we're having. You can also call and change the topic to something you want to talk about, specifically since it's Memorial Day weekend. We'd love to have you call and tell a story about a loved one or somebody who you will be remembering who served our country, who you, somebody who you will be acknowledging this weekend, Memorial Day weekend. The number is 888-528-2557. You can also send an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Let's go to Carlos in Torrance. Carlos, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Yeah, I, was, I want to honor my uh, father-in-law. He was in the Navy during World War II, and he's at the Seabees, and he helped uh, build the runway that the Enola Gate took off to drop the first atomic bomb. But hmm. um, since then, he has passed away. Hmm. And then for myself, um, one thing I got out of the service when I joined the Air Force is I became a believer while I was there. A pilot led me to the Lord. So oh, that's great. That's the greatest thing I got out of the military. Yep, good for you. What's your father-in-law's name? Uh, it's uh, Jim Waldrop, and he was the CBs in uh, U.S. Navy. Jim yeah. Waldrop. So I honor him. Well, thank you for calling in uh, and saying Jim Waldrop's name. Jim, we thank you for your service. And uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. Thank you, Carlos, for your call. Bonnie from Lakewood, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Bonnie. This is Scott. How you doing? I'm, thank you for taking my call. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. That's good. Tell us about your mom and dad. Yes, I called to recognize both of my parents they were both in the Army. They met each other in the Army. Um, neither of them saw battle, but they, you know, they were in it to prepare for it just in case. Um, mm. My father was in Puerto Rico, and my mother was stationed as an Army nurse in Puerto Rico, and that's how they met each other. Oh, I grew great. up on Army bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you? What, uh, what are your parents' yeah. names? Victor. And Eleanor. All right. Well, we we thank Victor and Eleanor for their service. Thank you very much, Bonnie, for your call. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for recognizing them. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation today. I did want to talk about the the frustration, really, that's still going on in, in Texas and the different reports. There are several things that came out today, and I got to tell you, it just frustrating. The main thing being the timeline and how long maybe uh, the decisions that were made. And there's a big question. There's still a question about whether or not the police who were on scene could have or should have uh, breached that classroom and taken out the the shooter sooner. 
and it looks like a, a tactical error was made. Some of the stories that we heard at first were were not accurate. Um, and that's, it's kind of typical that, that over, as the days go on, the stories and timeline, all those things have to get worked out, right? There's, there's radio conversations and nine eleven calls and all these things that, that people who are investigating have to put together and put together a timeline. And sometimes it contradicts stories that are told. And sometimes those stories are told and it's a mistake. Sometimes those stories are told and it's a lie, Right, all that all that work has to get done, and people are blaming each other, and that's that's kind of typical. But at the same time, it's it's just very sad. And I want to encourage you to uh, try not to to too early jump to some conclusions. Uh, it's very very frustrating what we see going on, but there's still some time. Some of the stories might change. The governor of Texas today was extremely frustrated because the stories that he shared with people two days ago um, were not accurate. Play clip number one. This was his response where he talks about just being so frustrated about it. Go ahead, play clip one. I was misled. I am livid about what happened. I was on this very stage two days ago, and I was telling the public information that had been told to me in a room just a few yards behind where we're located right now. I wrote down hand notes in detail about what everybody in that room told me in sequential order about what happened. And when I came out here on this stage and told the public what happened, it was a recitation of what people in that room told me, whether it be law enforcement officials or non-law enforcement officials, whatever the case may be. And as everybody has learned, the information that I was given turned out in part to be inaccurate. And I'm absolutely livid about that. You know, it's uh, I can understand his frustration. I mean, and there are political concerns that he's going to have because of that. And my friends, listen as much as as we can. This is why when anything happens in our life where we need to grieve, we have to take time to lament. And if there's something that we can learn from a public side of it, and it's something that we can take heart of whenever we find ourselves, if we're part of some kind of tragedy like this, or just the uh, typical things that, that everybody goes through, you have to take time to grieve and to lament. What it does is it helps you take that emotion and and drive it to the Lord. It's scriptural to do that. It also gives you time because the early facts the early stories are sometimes wrong or they are tainted. You've heard the fog of war and the, the fog of when things happen. And we've had an awful lot of people come out with a bunch of facts and opinions without really listening and waiting for investigations to happen. And this is compiling on the frustration. And what I hope that we do together, particularly as believers, particularly in this time when we share everything on social media and we get partisan, you know, if you're on the left or right, there's lots of arguments that we might be having here. We have to wait. Uh, the hardest thing I think today was the understanding that the officers involved, what they're saying today anyway, is they made a wrong decision not to breach the classroom door. There's a lot of debate about that's going to happen over the next few weeks. It's going to take weeks about whether or not it would have done any good was was the shooting completed or was it still going on? Could they have saved some of the kids' lives? Um, it's very, very difficult. 
this is the Texas Department of Public Safety director uh, making his statement today, and you'll hear at the beginning the the chaos that you're hearing in these press conferences. Play clip two. Can we do uh, clip two? Hey, with a hey, with a hey, with the benefit of hey, with the benefit of hindsight, hey, the benefit of hey, stand by, stand by, hey, stand by, hey, stand by, right? I got it, I got it, okay. Hey, from the from the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision, it was a wrong decision, period. There's no no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe there should have been an entry at that as soon as you can. You could hear that frustration, and I felt it today watching that, and I know that, that you did. We have got to, to slow down. We've got to grieve with these families. There's going to be funerals. There is going to be um, just so much time to just ask why and to investigate, and it's going to take time. And these things, the the facts, they play out over time. And this is the time for us as the church to be the comforters, to try not to stir things up. I think for for us as believers, there's an opportunity we have in these terrible situations to step back and say, how do I represent Christ in this? And I think it means we do a lot of listening and we maybe take mental notes of of things that we want to ask later. I've got questions. I've got lots of questions. I've got questions about this shooter, his family. I've got questions about why did he have... And how did he get uh, these weapons? And he had 50-something magazines, they're saying now. But i got to be careful because today I think they said he had 56 magazines. I mean, it's just unbelievable number of rounds. But, you know, in two weeks they might say, no, he just had one. You know, yesterday they said he had two uh, AR-15s. Now they're saying he just had one. Originally it was just some kind of other uh, hunting rifle or something that they had. Uh, see, the, the story keeps changing. I thought that uh, Mike Huckabee was on Fox Business, and uh, he had something good to say about this. Play clip number three. You would think that in a typical situation, even if you call 911 and said someone's having a heart attack, it wouldn't take 12 minutes for someone, whether it was a a fire truck, a police Mm -hmm. officer, that someone would be able to get there within 12 minutes in a small town. You can drive across the entire town in less time than that. So why did it take so long? From the time of the truck crash, that should have been the first kind of moment where someone called 911 and said, hey, a guy just crashed his truck into the school, even before he started shooting at the people at the funeral home across the street. So there's going to be a lot of questions that have to be answered as to why the response time was as slow as it was, what was happening, who was doing what, and who was doing it when. I do think that the one thing has to happen is let's be careful not to let the politicians at this point jump up on the stage, uh, grab the spotlight and say, here's what we have to do. Because what we need to do is first find out what happened, what really happened, and what they're proposing to be done. Would it have affected or changed the outcome at this school? And if we can find those answers, for God's sake, let's do them. But if, if they don't help, then, then we just have another bunch of political posturing that doesn't really accomplish anything. And I thought that comment at the end, it matters. If we come up with a solution that doesn't help, then we didn't really do anything, did we? That's, we have got to come together as a society and really determine what's going to help. And we're going to have to compromise some things, not compromise values, but say, you know what? 
there's got to be something that we can do. And there's so many different issues here. Obviously, there's gun issues that people are going to argue about, but there's mental health illness issues. There's family issues. All of these things matter. Christians, we, when we're looking at the scriptures, I really believe that we have the opportunity to leave here first because we point to the hope that's in Christ. You know, the hope for the future is not that the government figures out the right balance of gun laws. You know, I hope that occurs if that's something that's helpful, but it's not going to bring hope. Hope is in Christ. And see, in the relational value that the church has that people are so distant from now will actually help prevent a lot of this because people have relationships. I saw there's a graphic going around. Maybe you've seen this. And the graphic is, I think it was put out by a London newspaper, but it's floating around social media. And the graphic has little circles that represent different mass shootings in the United States. And it goes back about 30 years, uh, maybe 40 years. And in the graphic, they're pretty much even through the 80s and 90s. And then in the mid-2000s, it starts to grow. It starts to grow bigger. And then you get to where we are now, and there's just so many more mass shootings, according to this graphic, than uh, we had before. And then there's this red line right around 2005 in there. And the red line is supposed to mark where, uh, 2004, 2005, where these mass shootings started to grow. So what the argument that's being made is, well, that we had the assault weapons ban and um, that as soon as that expired, which was about a 10-year ban, it expired. Uh, sometimes laws, they do that just to uh, – there's different political reasons why that happens. Uh, that happens. And the, some people were making the argument that, see, after that expired, then the mass shootings went up. And then other side is making the argument that says, well, before that, before the ban, the mass shooting stayed the same. And I'm looking at that and I go, you know, it's an interesting thing. And maybe we don't really know. And maybe it's just going to be sort of a left and right debate. But I would argue, and once again, this is not something that I can just bring you a bunch of uh, data necessarily because it's it's hard to prove things that you you can't prove. There's no survey. But, yeah, the, the weapons ban ended. But why is it that it that these shootings have increased so much now and they didn't increase then? Is it just access to the weapons? Is it, um, you know, that they become glamorized in such a way, maybe because of video games or something? There's something else that happened in 2004 and 2005. Do you know what that is? It's the invention and acceptance over the next few years, starting in about 2004, of social media and the growth of social media. And I would like to see, with all of this, gun stuff aside, whatever people might think, I think that a lot of the increase that we're seeing, a lot of the loneliness that we're seeing, a lot of the behind-the-scenes problems that we're seeing is because we don't know how to handle social media. And I think it's drawing us apart. I think that you know people suffer. Some of you really suffer with your social media. You have comparisonitis, and this is the, the lightest suffering that so many people have, right, is that you look at other people's lives and their Hawaii photos and the the great photos they they have of their great life, and you think that everything's perfect for them. And you don't get the photos of how they crashed the car and how they had a fight with their spouse and how they're worried about their kids or the drug problems or the addictions or the other things that people are going through. You don't post that typically on your social media. But we have a problem. It's a documented problem that people get depressed because of their social media that people 
it inflames people's um, being upset and it spreads gossip and slander and false stories. You know, social media is probably why people are unable to slow down with the election or the, uh, the uh, evidence gathering at this event, why we're so eager to pass along stories that fit our side or fit a narrative or fit something emotional on our side. And for whatever reason, we take lots of stuff as true that maybe is just made up uh, or maybe is not really researched as well. It's just something to think about. And I, I think as believers, if I could express this, be very careful with your social media. You know, it's, it can be a great tool for interacting with friends and people that you know closely. But if you start to get worried about how many likes you have, about how many friends you have, how many connections, how many followers, all of that kind of stuff, for some people, and I think a lot of people, maybe most people, personality-wise, uh, it's really tough. And what we're seeing with kids is that they will zoom into their social media. 13, my son just turned 13, and he's getting emails from Google Corporation. I'm getting emails from Google Corporation telling me, my son is now 13, he can do whatever he wants on the internet. Unless he consents to parental controls, then I'm out as his parent. That's crazy to me. Uh, he's going to consent to my parental controls, by the way. Uh, and, uh, James, if you're listening, I've already clicked on it. So, uh, and the reason for that is not because I don't want him to interact online or, or use it for good purposes, but it's because I know how dangerous it is and how secretly lonely our kids especially are getting because of it and how it leads to violence, how it leads to suicides, how it leads to drug use, how it leads to terrible relationships. And even as grownups, Boy, it can really rattle us. My friends, take some time when you've got stuff. Take a walk. Leave your phone at home. Get away from it. Uh, Use it for positive reasons. And when we're watching the stuff on the news, as believers, we need to put our arms around people and grieve. We can be right later. We We can make a point later when we have the data that is more trustworthy. Most of what we're hearing right now, it could all be different next week. We need to pray for our leaders that they would do the same thing. We used to have a better discipline, I think. I think that we had a discipline of leaders who knew that you come out the first week or so after an event like this and you don't talk about policy. You talk about the grieving and you go have a, a national service and you you put your arms around the families and you meet with them privately and you call them and you wait. And then there's time for politics and debate and other things. Those things are necessary, but they can wait. As Christians, they can wait. It can wait. We might have to be the only ones doing that, but by doing that, we're going to show people love. We're going to show people that the hope is in Christ. We're going to show people that the the path forward in, in life when these terrible things happen, it's Christ. It's our relationship with Christ. It's our, our working together as part of the body of Christ, being with each other. All right. Uh, It is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever you'd like. Um, But I would also like to hear from you about those who you will be celebrating or acknowledging, recognizing for this Memorial Day, people who have served our country, people who gave their life for this country. You can call for any reason, but that's a great reason to call right now. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. 
I see your calls. I'll get your calls as soon as we come back from the break. 888-528-2557. This is Scott Furrow, Southern California Live Friday edition. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you this Memorial Day weekend. Great to be with you. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. It's open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever you'd like, but um, which we always do on Fridays. Gives you a chance to change the topic if you'd like to. But since it's Memorial Day weekend, I'm asking you to share stories that uh, you would like to share about people that have served their country, people who gave up their life for their country, who have served and have passed away. That's what we do on Memorial Day. So you're welcome to call for that reason. Also, 888-528-2557. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to meet somebody who really um, maybe just kind of in their presence, you know, they're just another human being, but they, you just felt kind of in awe of, of who they were. And, um, I got to meet a couple of times Admiral James Stockdale. You know who this guy was? Uh, he was, if you follow politics, he was Ross Perot's running mate back in the 90s. Ross Perot, remember that guy? He ran for president in 1992. Talk like this. He was a president of a big corporation. He ran for office. You want me to run for president? I'm going to run. And uh, he ran as a third party, started, uh, and uh, a lot of people think that the reason Bill Clinton won and beat George Bush is because he might have split uh uh, George H.W. Bush's vote. Uh, that's possible. His running mate was James Stockdale. And Admiral Stockdale um, was uh, picked as the running mate, and he wasn't very political. He he was in a debate, and Saturday Night Live kind of made fun of him, and it was kind of a funny joke. And back in that day, I was doing some comedy, and I did impersonations of people. And the Stockdale thing was pretty funny uh, until I met him. And I met him at an event in Coronado Island at San Diego. And I was so in awe. This is a person who served his country well. He's a Medal of Honor winner, and he was wearing it. He was wearing it uh, at this event I went to. And I got to talk to him for a while, and it moved me. It moved me to, uh, you know, I appreciate comedy and stuff, but uh, you see him as somebody who sacrificed tremendously. He was a prisoner of war. And uh, he was ejected from his aircraft and uh, held captive uh, for quite a long time. Um, he was a prisoner of war for seven and a half years um, for our country. He passed away recently. And I think of him a lot on Memorial Day. And I think of the, um, it's just hard to explain the feeling of shaking his hand and staring at that Medal of Honor that he's wearing. And what he went through and that sacrifice was for me and for all those guys on Saturday night live. And for all of us, uh, I think that's a great thing about Memorial day is it helps us to focus on, uh, the, the humanity of all of this, that war is terrible, that it's not glamorous. It's, it's horrific. And many, many of us are called to the ultimate sacrifice and um, some of us survive, but we go through hell uh, in the process of that. There are many people that you know who uh, are suffering, many families that you know who suffer during this period of time. So keep those things in mind. Uh, I think everybody thinks that um, having the day off and having good um, 
parties together and gathering together and having fun on Memorial Day. It matters. It's what what freedom brings us, the freedom to do that. It's a great way to acknowledge uh, these people, but we shouldn't ignore that that's what the day is about. Please take some time to remember those who have served and who sacrificed greatly for you. 888-528-2557 is the number. Let's go to David in Culver City. David, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. First of all, I'd like to remember uh, I was a Marine in Fallujah, and uh, mm. Skip Orihood and Joe Winslow both saved my life. They both died, 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines. We were infantry. Uh, so I'd like to remember their bravery. Yeah, how did they save Secondly, your life? Can you tell me the story? Uh, roadside bomb. And uh, it, was a, it was two explosions, and they, they came back to save me. They got me out, but then in getting one other person out, there was a second bomb, and it exploded, a landmine. Oh. And what were their names again? You said Skip? Joe Winslow, Joe Winslow and Skip Orihood. Joe Winslow and, and Skip, what was his last name? I, I didn't catch Skip's last name. I'm sorry, Skip Orihood, Orihood okay. and Joe Winslow. All right, Skip Orihood and Joe Winslow. Well, we're grateful for them, and we're grateful that you are here. Thank you, uh, David, for sharing that. And and what else did you want to talk about? Yeah, go ahead, David. Well, one other thing. You know, I I also want to remember the poor school children that that died as a result of violence. Mm. And, you know, I just, as a comment, I don't think we defended our country in order to defend the right of adolescents to have weaponry that can outgun policemen. I don't think I, I didn't defend my country for that reason. I don't defend that right for 18-year-olds to be able to have weaponry and and uh, other kinds of armor that outguns policemen, and the policemen can't even protect children. I think we have to defend children. A society that can't protect its children in school—that's a political problem. We need to deal with it. That's not a moral problem. That's a political problem. No yeah, other country has that happen to the extent that we do. So, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I, I, I went to war to protect women, children, and other people. And I don't think we're doing that. It is a, it's a major thing, David. You're right. And, David, thank you for your service. We appreciate it and for your call. And, you know, in, in all of this, a good question that we're going to have to ask uh, people left and right on this is on your side of it. You know, think, forget for a minute what you think the other side of the argument needs to do, because we're just going to separate and move farther away. It seems like there's a lot of questions where we maybe can find some common ground. And the idea that is being out there that, that both sides are talking about is should an 18 year old who we don't trust to drink a beer, be able to buy those arms. Now there's no, constitutional amendment to buy a beer um there sort of is because we tried to get rid of that and then we that didn't work and we created organized crime and then we got rid of that um but uh that's a real question that needs to be thought about is are we doing something um that uh is somehow if we made it harder particularly for kids kids who we don't trust to run to rent a car you can't rent a car with most companies until you're 25 you know, so there's something that we acknowledge as a as a country that says you're not grown up until. 
this is where there's just all kinds of inconsistency in our thinking about our kids, right? We don't trust, we don't trust kids to uh, do a lot until they're 18 or 21 or 25. Uh, at the same time, we're saying you can go ahead and make medical decisions like puberty blockers or other things when you're 12. That makes no sense. We, you know, it's just a, we aren't consistent with our kids and we need to be defending our kids. We need to be diligent or diligent about how are we going to uh, make sure that our kids are, are safe, physically safe, mentally safe. They're safe in the home, safe going to school. And we're all over the map here in our country right now. Maybe this is a time when we can come together. I was, there was a, a interview with uh, Paul Ryan. Remember Paul Ryan? He was, uh, he was the Speaker of the House briefly, and he was Mitt Romney's running mate. And uh, he made a comment today. He was asked on CNBC if it's even possible for people to come together. And uh, this was his response. Play a clip four. At the end of the day, I think we will pull it together. I really believe we as a country will pull it together because there really isn't an alternative. And there are adults and there will be people. You have to be willing to, to, to take the hits for compromising. And there will be men and women in Congress that will do that. Well, I hope that he's right. I mean, I heard that and it's hopeful, right? It's hopeful that there are adults in the room somewhere. And, you know, I don't know what those answers are. I think they're very hard and it's an election year. So it's super hard, right? But we have got to do that. You know, for those of us in the church, let's be praying towards that. Let's add our voices in a rational way towards these things. Really investigate what is possible and really ask ourselves, what is, is there something that I can really give up that isn't going to send the country in the wrong direction? What is the issue really about? And if things are being proposed, you know, politics, a lot of the time things get proposed, oh, we're going to do this and that, but then there's loopholes and there's other things and you really don't do anything. We've got to stop supporting that. That's just a waste of everybody's time and money. That's hard. That requires us to be engaged. It requires us to not simply be partisan, but to really pay attention, to call our representatives, to, to write them. I want to encourage you to do that. Be active. You know, when you go vote, if you haven't voted already, you're going to vote next week in California. Uh, really investigate those people that you're voting for on either side, whatever the letter is after their name. What are they going to do? And what are they going to do collectively? And how can you encourage them to do the right thing? I think all of these things matter. All right, it's uh, Memorial Day weekend. This is Southern California Live, open line Friday. If you'd like to call for any reason at all, give me a call. 888-528-2557 is the number. And if you would like to acknowledge a loved one, somebody who has given their life for this country, uh, go ahead and do that. Now's a great time to do that. You can just say their name or you can tell us a story about their military service. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Friday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. It is Open Line Friday. And it's also Memorial Day weekend, so I'm encouraging you to call up and honor those who you know who you're going to recognize this weekend. Somebody who has served in our armed forces and has passed away, particularly those who died in combat, died for their country, died for our freedom. 
and uh, we'd love to hear their names. And you can call up, just tell their names, tell us their story if they have one, and acknowledge them this way. 888-528-2557 is the phone number. 888-528-2557. Oscar in Burbank, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, just I want to just remember my friend, Gregory Cox, served 38 years, Navy and uh, Air Force and uh, DOD. Hmm. Just want to remember him, you know, just the way. Yeah, he was he your was friend? Single. Okay. Just wanted to say thank you did for our country. Yeah. Well, thank you for calling and remembering Gregory. We appreciate his service and your friendship to him. And, you know, there are, are so many friends that that we know, friends that we uh, can acknowledge. So many people, so many people. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. A lot of our national cemeteries are full. Uh, Rosecrans in San Diego is full. Miramar in San Diego is new, but filling up many, many services a day. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a service on a national cemetery. As a pastor, I've done many of them. And one of the things that happens is usually you do a a service in a church somewhere, and, uh, you know, there's a service somewhere else, the memorial service. But then you go to the graveside, and they're very regimented, very organized and you're only given a half an hour for the entire thing, including uh, the time it takes to walk or drive to the area where you're going to have the service. And it's very quick, very short. Sometimes you do the military honors while you're there. And depending on your rank and how long you served, you can have, you know, the, there's always the folding of the flag, which is a very meaningful moment. And sometimes there's um, gun salutes and other things that will happen. But one of the things that you realize is that the reason that you only get a half an hour is because there's somebody else who's having a funeral right after you. And it's one after another, over and over and over again, every single day. I've rarely been there when there was extra time or when there wasn't somebody scheduled right before or right after our service. Sometimes that happens, but uh, not too often. And so, you know, many people that you know have served. Many people that you know have served in our armed forces, and um, we it's such a great time to remember them and to acknowledge them. I hope you do that this weekend. I'm going to take my boys to uh, Miramar, and uh, they're old enough to begin to understand why we do that, and we acknowledge uh, some people who we know there. We also uh, comfort those who are grieving. Uh, for some of you, you're not going to have uh, all of the uh, the celebrations you're going to and the you know the pool parties and barbecues. Uh, this is a hard day, and we recognize that. We thank you for your service too. You know, families uh, give an awful lot to uh, the military, even if you're not the one who's enlisted. And we thank you for your time and your service uh, in that way. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Uh, Teresa, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you very much. I recognize my grandfather, my mother and my father, who were my grandfather, World War II veteran, my mother and my father, who were both Vietnam veterans, and my cousin David, as well as my service members who were in the Gulf War with me, um, Ed and Nate Clark. Thank you to all my brothers and sisters who are no longer with us. Mm. 
Hey, thank I you. I appreciate for... Yes, thank you for calling, Teresa. I hope that you have a good weekend planned, and thank you for acknowledging uh, all of them. We are a, a country that has seen a lot of war. Remember, there used to be a, a, a movement, sort of a philosophy that said war is obsolete. Remember that? Uh, you don't hear that anymore because obviously that's not true. War has changed. Uh, I don't know that we're ever going to have uh, D-Day again, that kind of secret invasion that only works because of the cover of fog that would take a lot of time. You know, with satellites and with the radar, all the stuff that we have, I don't know that that's going to happen again. So war has changed in that respect. Um, It's hard to know, though, where things are going to go. Speaking of these things, watching in, in Russia, we should be in prayer for wars really around the world going on. Russia uh, and what they're doing in Ukraine. Uh, News stories today aren't real good for Ukraine. Some are suggesting that Russia has turned the tide and they are winning. That shouldn't be unexpected, really. Um, I think it's been more of a surprise that uh, the Ukrainians have held on so long. And that doesn't mean that that, uh, that's the direction everything is going to go. But it's pretty serious what's happening there. And it has implications for the whole world. Uh, Wars change world order. It changes trade. It changes um, relationships between different countries. It creates new treaties, treaties, but it also breaks treaties. It changes the map. That's what the Russians are trying to do, to change the map, to own that part of the world, which happens to be the breadbasket of Europe. And, you know, somebody once said war is theft, and it's a pretty good way to look at it, that you're either at war because you're trying to take something that's not yours or you're at war because you're defending something that somebody else is trying to take. Uh, it's a very interesting way to to look at it. And uh, um, that's going on. So there's a lot of things that we need to continue to pray for in the world today. The number is 888-528-2557. Just a few minutes left if you'd like to call about anything at all. It is Open Line Friday, but most people are calling to to acknowledge those people who have served our country, who they will be remembering for Memorial Day weekend coming up, 888-528-2557. If you've got a grandparent, parent, a sibling, a friend, somebody that you know who has served our country and that you'll be remembering them as they have passed away, maybe they actually died while serving, you can give us a call the next couple of minutes and acknowledge them, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, there are many wars going on in the world today, and it's we don't hear about it all the time because a lot of it has to do with you know whatever our interests are, and that's how it is kind of everywhere. And it isn't that we don't care or that we don't uh, – I mean, maybe we don't care. That's a problem, right? But – um, you're going to pay a lot more attention when the wars are something that you might get drawn into or something that affects your country economically. Uh, and um, there's more going on in the world than just in Ukraine. Um, it's hard to say, but right now it's estimated that there are 40, 40 ongoing wars and conflict flicks uh, in the world. Um, and, uh, where the way they kind of uh, analyze that is if there's over 100 combat deaths, then it's considered a war, I guess. That's how they count that. So there's over 40 ongoing wars and conflicts in the world. Did you know there are 40? Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot going on. 
in the world today. We are in a, a violent time. We are not in a time when war is subsiding. Uh, and um, it's something that affects us uh, very, very much. And it's very sad to say. 888-528-2557. We just have a couple minutes left. I see your calls on air. We'll try to get to you as soon as um, you are ready. Cheryl, uh, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, I think that's me. Hi. Yeah, hi, Cheryl. Okay, I just wanted to acknowledge my father, Eugene. Here. My father, Eugene Collins, who served in World War II as an 18-year-old. He was in New Guinea, and he slogged through the swamps, uh, contracted malaria, you know, but he yeah. was a fine person. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you to Eugene Collins for his service. Thank you, Cheryl, for calling uh, Southern California Live. All right. Um, let's, um, I'm waiting. We only have a couple of minutes left, so let me see if I can get to your calls here. I know we got a bunch coming in at the same time. Uh, two minutes to go. Whatever you're planning to do, let's go with line two. Can we go with line two? All right, we're not quite, quite ready. I know you got a lot of plans this weekend, so I just want to encourage you again as uh, you make your plans. Do it. Have a great time. Make some plans. Take a nap. You know, whatever you need to do, use the three-day weekend, if you get one, uh, as something important uh, to do this weekend. But make sure that you take some time to acknowledge those who served. The reason that you have this freedom uh, is uh, because of those people. And there's still a lot of sacrifice that will always be left because freedom isn't free. And I want to leave you. I'm not going to be able to get to your calls here. Uh, we only have a minute left. Um, but let me encourage you that way. And let me encourage you in Christ to make the connection. And maybe you just need to make the connection in your own heart. But maybe you need to make the connection with your kids or somebody that you are going to be able to to be having you know a beer with this weekend. You're going to talk about those people who have given their life for the sake of freedom. It's a great segue to let them know, hey, did you know that Jesus gave his life for your spiritual freedom? That because Jesus lived a perfect life that you can't live and died on the cross for your sins, he paid the penalty for your sins. He fought the spiritual battle that you're trying to to fight, that people in every culture have tried to fight. Jesus did that. You know, I just want to encourage you as you're with your friends, particularly those who may not know the Lord, Memorial Day has a great, a great lesson in it about freedom and one that you can easily attach your story as a believer in Jesus, that you have spiritual freedom, forgiveness of sins, the spiritual angst that you carry around, that people carry, the guilt that they carry, it's relieved and freed through Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. Everybody, we're out of time. This is Southern California Live. I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. I'm Scott Furrow. I will see you again next week. God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.